Welcome back to Sister Sleuths. I'm Courtney. I'm Danny. And I'm Kim. It's finally December. It's Christmas yeah. time. By the time Christmas. you all hear this, it will be December. That's true. Here. I'm the Grinch of the family, here. so we won't talk about it. You don't like Christmas? I don't not like it. I'm just not very holly jolly. Like, my tree is not up, and I don't know. I like giving gifts. But I don't like to have to do other shit. Like decorate. <laughs> hey, that's all right. Yeah. That is all right. Anyway, you said that you had dirty laundry, though. I have dirty laundry. So I would like to come clean that I made a mistake last week. And I didn't realize I had even made a mistake until Sam and I listened to the podcast. And I said that Natalie Wood was born Natasha. And that's not true. She was born Natalia. And Ooh. so I have corrected myself. Okay. You feel better about yourself? I feel better. I do feel better. I was listening <laughs> to I'm it gonna... and I was like, what the shit? That's not her name. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but where did that come from? <laughs> this literally comes back to what I say every week. But you are so confident with your name saying abilities that you could name her anything and we'd probably be like, you're I, right. Yeah. That's exactly Everyone what she's would just called. Believe me. I would never second guess. I'd be like, Kimmy does a research. That must yeah. be true. I 100%. It. I really said it with full confidence. You can hear it in my voice. <laughs> but <laughs> her, I was, that was not Natasha. it. Yeah, Natasha Zakarenko. No, wrong. Zimbabwe. Um, yeah. Jones. <laughs> Is Natalia. I did not know that's what she was born, Nick. Yeah. Huh. Well. So that's my uh I repented of my sins. There you go. God bless. Bless up. <laughs> bless up. <laughs> bless up. All right. Anybody else got any dirty laundry? Nope. Just crying children. That's all I've got. Kids are fun. They're fun, man. I'm telling you, best. But really, though, I feel like because of the story we're doing today, we should do a precursor and say that we do, in fact, love our children. <laughs> yes, I yes, I love my children. I I've never actually <laughs> wanted to hurt them. <laughs> Just because they're annoying and rude <laughs> about several times a day, but I've never actually wanted to. So there's that. Yeah, I have Perfect. raised three of my four children to full adulthood and the fourth good. one is a teenager so it's pretty good it's pretty good well should we get into it let's do it Thanks, you're not Larry. part of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, okay so funny all right back to it today's case or story is about diane downs who is like truly a psychopath Yes. So we love that. Definitely we love is. Elizabeth Diane Fredrickson was born on August 7th, 1955 in Phoenix, Arizona to Wesley Linden and Willa Dean Fredrickson. Diane grew up in a pretty strict household and up until high school, she was for the most part a well-behaved kid. She attended Moon Valley High School in Phoenix, but this was when she started rebelling against her parents. At the age of 14, she dropped the name Elizabeth and started going by the name Diane. She cut her hair super short, dyed it bleach blonde, and started dressing more edgy. People described Diane as boy crazy 
and she really wanted to start dating, but that was totally against her parents' rules. But eventually, she started dating this 16-year-old boy who lived near her named Steve Downs. Her parents were really against her dating him, but of course, she did it anyway. That's Once like they graduated, rule number one. Yeah, like you, you can do never it. tell your kid like we hate your boyfriend. Yeah. They're just going to dig their heels in and be like, well, I love him twice as much now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was going to break up with him, but I guess I'm not now. Now we're getting married. (laughs) (laughs) But for real. Once they graduated high school, they moved their relationship into a long distance thing. Steve went and joined the Navy. And Diane started attending Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College in (laughs) Oregon, California. We love a good Bible college. Yes. Bless up. Yes. (laughs) They both promised to be faithful to each other. But once they were apart, Diane started getting together with a bunch of different guys. And she also started getting into trouble at school because she was being so promiscuous. After only a year, she was expelled. And she had to move back in with her parents, which she hated because they were so strict. But on the bright side, good old Steve was back around the same time. So they decided to get back together and run away. Very romantic. Buddy, did he know about all of the Bible college bros? I think he did. Then I don't so, feel sorry for you, Steve. Yeah, no. Um, They eloped and got married on November 13th, 1973. And their marriage was immediately very rocky. People said they fought all the time, especially about finances or about whether Diane was possibly cheating again. So when times got tough, Diane ran back to her parents. But despite all of this, they had already conceived a child together. And in 1974, their first child, Christy Ann, was born. Six months after Christy Ann was born, Diane left her with Steve to join the Navy. And she only lasted three weeks of training, and then she came home. Wait, she said, (laughs) can you just take care of our newborn? Because I suddenly have to go be a sailor in the Navy. Yeah, but then, like, it was too hard. Oh, I'm trying to think of what her excuse was. She had some kind of excuse that was, like, a physical thing, but then, like, her other excuse was that steve was neglecting the baby so she had to come home and she was like listen my sciatical really acting up (laughs) i'm gonna go rock that baby yeah in 1976 they had their second child cheryl lynn and after she was born steve decided to have a vasectomy um diane actually got pregnant again though after that what you think oh that's weird um but surprise she had an affair. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. She's what, um, so she, what Larry would call a sloot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not our kind. <laughs> not like a sister sloot, but like a real life sloot. Yeah, exactly. Um, she actually ended up aborting this baby. But before she did that, she named it Carrie. Interesting. So I've never heard of someone choosing to get an abortion, but then still naming the baby. Interesting. Um, don't worry, Diane and Steve stayed together despite her infidelity. Wow. 
And they ended up moving to Mesa, Arizona in 1978. They both got jobs at a mobile home manufacturing company where Diane met some co-workers and started having more affairs. That doesn't yes. sound like her at all. No, <laughs> that's I am out of character. By and these also, accusations. her eggs, man, top notch. She ended up pregnant again. Damn, Diane. And this time she decided to go through with the pregnancy. So she gave birth to a baby boy in 1979 named Stephen Daniel, or they call him Danny. Again, wait, 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 wait. She named her love child after her husband. Oh my gosh, I didn't even notice that. That is... Wow. Is it wow. rude? That seems I rude. I feel like that's rude. Like a slap in the face. Like, here's your namesake, but actually but it's actually, not your baby. Yeah. Yikes. My bad. Um, they did stay together for a little while after this, though. Steve. He said he stayed for the kids mostly, even though he knew Danny wasn't his. But they did end up getting divorced in 1980. And if you're worried about Diane's sex life, don't be. Because after their divorce, she kept hooking up with random guys. That is astonishing. <laughs> and she would even, like, move in with them, like, for, like, a little bit at a time. Which you can imagine was not Those a good life for kids. her kids. Yeah. I was just going to say, I was listening to, I think it was Dr. Oz or something, and he was saying how she did some surrogacy, too. Oh, yeah, we're getting to that right now. Okay. Oh, I was wow. just going to say, she's, she, like, real good at breeding. Yeah, she decided that the perfect job for her would be to come become a surrogate, since she was so good at getting pregnant and having kids. I think she's right on the money with that, honestly. Yeah. You obviously have to go through tests and evaluations before becoming a surrogate. And Diane ended up failing two of the psychiatric exams. Shocking. One of the tests even concluded that she was psychotic. Oh, wow. So, in 1981, Diane started working as a postal carrier for the U.S. Post Office. And she would rotate her kids staying with her or her parents or Steve or Danny's father. And towards the end of the year, she was accepted to be a surrogate, which is terrifying. I have thoughts, but I don't know what they are. Go on. She gave birth to a baby girl named Jennifer on May 8th, 1982, and she was paid $10,000. 10 Gs. That was pretty good, honestly, but not as good as they say you make now. (laughs) Yeah. Was she like someone's egg and someone's sperm and she just carried the baby or like it was her egg? Because I don't I would feel not good about finding out years later. Yeah, yikes. That's the DNA I chose for my kid. I don't know. I didn't I didn't find that it's I can just imagine the family now. They're like, Oh, she's a pretty blonde and like (laughs) thin. Like she's gotta have good genes. Right? No mental problems. They didn't tell her about the psychotic part Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they skipped over that yeah (laughs) um so after this she wanted to start her own surrogacy clinic but that venture failed before it really began thank god yeah and then during the same time diane began a passionate affair with a married co-worker named robert knickerbocker what a name (laughs) What a name. Um, apparently, he had a nickname, Nick, and I see people refer to him as Nick sometimes or Robert. I'm going to say Robert for the sake of today's story, so just keep that in mind. 
if you see it elsewhere, that the same person. Yeah. So during the affair, Diane would nag Robert about leaving his wife. And he said it became too overwhelming and eventually he broke it off. And one of his reasons for ending the relationship because, was because he didn't like kids in general and didn't want to take care of her kids. Diane was devastated and she began to resent her kids and blame them for her, as she likes to say, losing the man of her dreams. Oh my goodness. You know that that was just a bullshit excuse. He was just like, A, I was never going to leave my wife. Oh, yeah, I'm I sure. Just- I needed to tell you something to break up with you. Yeah. Um, at 27 years old, Diane and her children moved to Cottage Grove, Oregon, and she took a job at the post office there. This was like a very small town where everybody knew everybody and they looked out for each other. Um, even after moving, Diane was still obsessed with Robert. She even visited him in 1983, and he made it abundantly clear that what they had was over. After you later, <laughs> probably, yeah. probably. People are he so. Said, I swear, as soon as we put our clothes back on, we are done. We're done. done. We're done. Yeah. Um. When her kids weren't with her parents or their respective fathers, they were oftentimes just home alone. Diane especially paid the least amount of attention to her middle child, Cheryl. The whole house was just very toxic. And she really resented the kids for holding her back in life. What a mom. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Mom of the year. On Thursday, May 19th, 1983, Diane and her children had visited a friend's house and they were driving back home pretty late. So at this time, Christy was eight, Cheryl was seven, and Danny was three. So they didn't start heading home until like 930. Cheryl was sitting in the passenger seat, and the other two kids were in the back seat. And so this is how the drive home went, according to Diane. This is her part. This is her story. So even though it's late, Diane decides to take the scenic route home, and all three kids were sleeping in the cars. Yeah, she said that they really liked to do this. They liked to go on roads they've never been on before. She just wanted to drive around, I guess, and they ended up driving down this rural road near Springfield, Oregon, just enjoying the scenery, I guess. In the dark. It's dark outside, so I'm not sure. That's my favorite time to look at scenery. <laughs> yeah, you really it's see black. a lot. Yeah. You really see a lot. So we're just going to pretend we see no holes in her story so far, okay? It's fine with me so far. I totally <laughs> get it. Yeah. Anyway, she said they were just driving along listening to the radio. When all of a sudden she sees a man standing in the road trying to flag her car down. Despite it being 10 o'clock at night and her being a single woman with a car full of young children, Diane decides to pull over. Pretty sure we've talked about this before that I will never stop for you. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't hitchhike. We will hit you with our cars. We are not stopping. <laughs> before yes. I pick you up, yes, I yes. know. Um, so she pulls over at the intersection of Maricola Road and Old Mohawk Road. And on this road, there's a river on one side and an empty field on the other side. So it's very isolated. She checks her sleeping kids and then gets out of the car to talk to this, quote, bushy-haired stranger, which is how she described the man. So she gets out and talks to this guy, and he immediately demands for her to give him her car keys. She apparently fights with him, 
and he ends up shooting her in the left arm. She then pretends to throw her keys in a bush and jumps back in the car and takes off. At some point in the story, I'm not sure where exactly, this man also shoots all three of her children as well. Oh. That escalated quickly. Yeah. I honestly couldn't find, like, Like how her story went, like, and where, yeah. Like, how would that have all played? So, um, yeah, she jumps in the car and speeds off to the hospital. She, She says that she was driving like a lunatic to get to the hospital. In reality, though, Diane drove extremely slow to the hospital. And by the time she gets there, Cheryl is already dead. And the other two are in horrible condition. Christy had been shot twice in the chest, and Danny had been shot in the back. They were both barely alive. Um, Diane's injury was like nothing in comparison, conveniently. Yeah. The whole scenario was very shocking to the hospital staff, though, and they expected Diane to be very emotional or upset, as you would be if this happened to you. But when they started asking her what happened, she just was, like, stone cold, showed no emotions whatsoever. She didn't seem to care at all that one of her children was dead and the other two were clinging to life. Another thing they found strange was that Diane had a towel wrapped around her own wound but there had been nothing placed on her children's wounds to try and stop any bleeding or anything. What the fuck? Yeah, because you, as a mom, would like, my little arm wound is more important than... Yeah, than my children who are shot in the chest. Maybe. Yeah. All I friends. don't think so. <laughs> um, when th- oh, her whole, the backseat of her car was covered in blood. But there was no blood on Diane. And she seemed more concerned about her new car having blood on it than she did about her children. Priorities. Yeah. When they told her Cheryl was dead, she seemed more relieved than upset. And when they told her that Danny was shot in the spine and paralyzed, she wasn't concerned. But she was shocked that he wasn't shot in the heart. What the hell? I'm not sure. She's like, actually, that's not where I was aiming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was the like, spine. I nicked the spine? Um, she called Robert from the hospital, but she didn't call Steve or Danny's father. The police were sketched out by her story from the beginning, but the public didn't know all the details. All they knew was that there was some random guy who had shot at this family and a child was dead. One was paralyzed and the other was in and out of consciousness. So they were scared. Police searched the area for the bushy-haired man, and all they found were some bullet casings. They had Diane give a full description of the man, and they drew up a composite sketch. Um, Diane started saying some really weird stuff in interviews. I don't know if you guys watched any of them, but... Oh, I did not. She, she got a lot of publicity. She was even on Oprah. What the hell? Yeah. She would talk about how she could hear her son Danny in the backseat crying and moaning. She talked about how when she saw her daughter Christy dying with blood gushing out of her mouth, she thought back to her childhood and all the pain she experienced with, quote, my marriage and my entrapment by society. She's so weird. What the hell? 
she goes off on this feminist tangent of the man being bigger and stronger than her and that he was more powerful because he had a gun and blah 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 like it's so weird people started to question her story very quickly after hearing how she retold the story if you you gotta listen to her interview with oprah oprah is like interrogating her really though <laughs> oprah's like it's i'm <laughs> not buying this shit yeah Mm-mm. it's all very weird it's her story is just so crazy and out there i don't know but the police end up having Diane reenact what happened that night. And that is also a very strange video. I'll it's link so it on our cringy. website. Yeah, I you have to did watch just watch this. And yeah, I've seen um, documentaries on this chick. And mm-hmm. every single time I've watched it, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, just the way her mannerisms and stuff are. It's awful. No, she's not a norm, like a woman who just... not. A- not well, witnessed mother. what she witnessed, but also lost a child to it and had her other children in the hospital. Like, it's so weird. She looks oh. fun. Like, she looks like she's having fun while she's reenacting this traumatizing event. event. She, like, at one point, she, like, bangs her casted arm up on the car while doing her little show. And she laughs and starts to say, that was almost worse than... And then she stops herself from saying anything else. That was almost worse than shooting myself in the fucking arm. Yes. It's that's literally thought that that's what she's going to say. That was almost worse than when I shot myself. And it really does. Her face seems like she like she stopped herself from just like completely admitting. Yeah. I almost done fucked up. Yeah. If anyone believes her story, I'm sorry, but please go. There's a lot of people that do, though. (laughs) And that's what made me a little sick when I was doing the research on this because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people still rooting for her like there's a website if you go yes. to dianedowns.com it's a very poorly designed website but it's trying to convince you that she's innocent disgusting i'm sorry gonna be me so she kept saying that the whole ordeal only took five to ten seconds seconds like this guy demands her car keys yeah shoots her in the arm walks over shoots these kids and then believes she threw the keys into a bush all in under one minute quick draw mcgraw he's over there just like like i'm sorry it would take me more than five ten seconds to get out of a car yeah (laughs) right (laughs) and he's a quick shot yeah that's what i'm saying four shots oh five because she said he shoots at her two times and one misses so mm-hmm. there's just so many holes in her story. So many suspicious things she says and the way she says it is weird. My favorite thing is is she's like, guys, like I'm not an idiot. If I was to do this, which I was I didn't do it. I didn't do it at all. But if I was to do it, then why like I would have done it so I actually killed my kids. Like they wouldn't be yeah. crying when I took them to the yeah. hospital. Like, she literally um, says that. And then, and don't you think I could have come up with a better story? Like, if it, if I did it and I was yeah. just telling a story, I would tell a different story. You want to know why? Like, because she changed her story her about 50 times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, oh, that story didn't work. Let me try a different one. Mm-hmm. They don't believe that it was a guy in a ski mask. I'm going to go with a different one. Exactly. Did I, rem- and- did I say he had bushy hair? Did you guys hear me when I said that? Yeah, he's a bushy-haired stranger, which changes in a little bit. Don't worry. The police definitely think she's involved, but at this point, they don't have any evidence aside from her psychotic behavior. At one point, Diane went to the hospital to visit her daughter, Christy. Christy was stable at this point, but she still couldn't communicate. 
And when Diane came into the room, Christy's heart rate spiked. Like, she was scared. Terrified. And the hospital staff mentioned this to police, and they added it to their growing list of suspicions against Diane. Um, We talked about before how Diane claimed to have jumped back into her car and drove like a lunatic straight to the hospital. Right. But police found out the real truth after they talked to a witness who was driving behind her that night. Oh, dear. This guy told police that she was driving so slow, he thought she was doing it to piss him off. He eventually had to just drive around her. Oh, my heck. Um, when the police searched Diane's car, they found blood on the passenger side door, which didn't add up with Diane's story either. She claimed this man shot the children from the driver's side of the car and that no one had been on the passenger side. They were shot with a twenty-two caliber bullet, and Diane denied even owning a handgun. The police talked to both Steve and Robert, who both said they knew Diane did have a handgun, and it was a twenty-two. I am literally shocked. Right? Flabbergasted. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought that she would lie about such a thing? Mm-hmm. They even found bullets with extraction marks that matched the ones found at the crime scene. They also confiscated believe that. No, yeah. <laughs> they also confiscated her diaries. They found many entries that talked about Robert and letters written to him that talked about how much she still thought of him as a best friend and lover. She talked about how he never wanted kids and how sad that made her. Investigators were starting to believe that Diane might have thought getting rid of her kids would have been the key to her being able to finally be with Robert. When police talked to Robert, he had said he felt like she would have killed his wife. That's how obsessive she was with him. Damn. Can you... I don't understand why... Because a lot of people like this do this. Why do you keep a journal <laughs> of all your like weird, creepy fucking thoughts? That's I don't know. Don't you shouldn't be documenting that for the police <laughs> in the future when you do something creepy. Yeah, probably not a great idea. Yeah, not um, the best plan. Once police bring Diane in again for interrogation, her lies start to get the best of her, and she can't quite keep track of it all. She starts to tell police that there were two attackers, and one of them knew her by name and knew about a tattoo she had. Oh. She tells them that she knew this person, and she wasn't telling their name, just for some reason. Oh, so she just didn't want to get the person in trouble who had tried to murder her. Or that they they had threatened her as if what they've done already. Right. What else are you going to do to me? You've already taken my children? Yeah. Um, after being pushed to give up the name, she got so mad, she just left the room. She just leaves. She said, I'm not going to. She's just unraveling. Like, I listened to, like, in the little interrogation, and the the investigator says, like, the time, and he's like, Diane has left. (laughs) Like, that's not suspicious at all. Right, that's fine. So the police decided to wait until Christy could communicate. They wanted to be really careful with how they approached the subject of who hurt her and her siblings. So they had her start with working with a therapist. The therapist had Christy write down the name of who hurt her on a piece of paper and then like throw it in a fire in hopes that one day she wouldn't want to burn it. So after a few times of Christy burning the paper, she finally let the therapist read the paper. And no surprise here. What she wrote on the paper was, my mom. 
Hmm. Now, are they sure what she didn't write was just wow, and they just had it upside down? <laughs> you know, that could be it. It could be it. Wow. I hope that Diane wow. claims that. I hope she was like, no, 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 no. Oh my wow gosh. is a code word for us. <laughs> That's funny because I didn't find anything of like how she talked her way, like, or tried to talk her way, like, out of that, of like, right. of Christy saying that she died. I didn't find anything. Like, your kid said you shot her. What? Yeah. Like, okay. Well, the people that um, I listened to, they were interviewing Christy and they were saying that the courts or, people that were like the prosecution or whatever were trying to like basically brainwash her into saying that it was her mom that did it mm -hmm. oh like God. they were force feeding her the words but yeah yeah um ridiculous on february 28th 1984 diane downs was arrested nine months after the shooting happened nine she months. was still loving the attention though even though it wasn't like interviews on oprah anymore um, she would flirt with officers and guards and smile for the cameras. Like, getting caught just didn't matter to her, I guess. She is the literal worst. She really is. is. She really is. And she has, like, the Karen haircut, so that really... Yeah. Just makes it worse. Yeah. Um, Diane was charged with one count of murder, two counts of attempted murder, and criminal assault. By the time the trial rolled around on May 10th, 1984, but you can't guess, Diane was pregnant. Son of a bitch. Sterilized her already. <laughs> right? Like about to pop pregnant. And I think I heard somewhere, I don't know if this is true. It was in a video I watched. But that the father was like someone on her defense team. Ew. Um. So. I don't know if this is jumping ahead or not, but the the baby, the girl, I watched her interview right before I we did the podcast, uh -huh. and she was saying that they didn't know who her dad was, but um, it was on Dr. Oz, and the lady that was also on the show was like a genealogist, what like some sort of DNA, whatever they do, and uh -huh. they had found her dad. So oh. I don't know, but it didn't say who who he was. I'm or, sure or there was like money involved to keep that quiet. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I don't know if it was somebody like like you were saying that they knew could've, that could've they would have already guard. Known it could have been yeah. Um, when she was when she was interviewed later, she said she got pregnant because she missed her children and she was lonely. <laughs> She's like, well, she literally was like them. on on October thirteenth. On October 13th, I went out and got pregnant. That's what she said. Um, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> Fuck that bitch. Are you kidding me? That is the most atrocious thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, I tried to murder my three kids, but you know what I miss? Having a kids. kid around. I miss my <laughs> kids, bro. <laughs> yeah. I hate her. No. She... I think mostly why she got pregnant all the time is because she wanted people to, like, do stuff for her. Yeah. Right. I like, she thought she would bad. get sympathy to get, like, better treatment in jail or a better outcome to her case. But, I mean, Well, yikes. yeah, like, you don't want to throw a nine-month pregnant woman in prison. Yeah, not one who just killed, tried to kill all of her other kids. Yeah. Um... During the trial, Diane's mood and her, like, weird 
confidence never wavered though the prosecution actually brought in a model of diane's car with dolls inside to demonstrate how she would have killed her children which apparently was very effective they even had christy testify and at the time she was only nine years old she told the jury that she remembered her mom stopping the car and going back to the trunk to get something out she said cheryl was in the front seat and her and danny were in the back she said her mom came back around the car with something in her hand. She remembered her mom leaning into the car and shooting Cheryl first at point-blank range before she leaned in the back and shot Danny and then Christy. Christy also said she watched Diane shoot herself and then wrap it in that towel and get back oh in the goodness. car and drive five miles per hour to the hospital. Did hmm. Danny ever say anything? I, did he live? I didn't hear much about him. I just know he was paralyzed. I think okay. just because he was too little. Oh, yeah. Because he, he was, was only, only three. Like three. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess they couldn't have just, they couldn't have taken his word for it. Or maybe he didn't actually see. Right. Because he was shot in the back. In the so back. Maybe... He was probably asleep. Mm-hmm. After deliberating for over 36 hours, the verdict came back unanimous. Diane was guilty. Shocking. Ten days before she was supposed to be sentenced, Diane gave birth to a baby girl who she named Amy Elizabeth. She was immediately taken away from Diane and was adopted and renamed Rebecca. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, during this time, Diane was tested by psychiatrists and was diagnosed as narcissistic, histrionic, and had antisocial personality disorders. She was sentenced to life imprisonment and an additional 50 years. Her surviving children were adopted by one of the prosecutors of the case, Fred Hugie, and his wife, Joanne, in 1984. Diane escaped prison once on July 11, 1987, but was recaptured and had five years added to her sentence. She was eligible for parole after spending 25 years in prison, and she still claimed to be innocent. Her first two parole applications were rejected, on December 9th, 2008, and on December 10th, 2010. She was up for parole again in 2020, but from what I could see, that hasn't happened yet. Like, I couldn't find any information on it. She should never get paroled. No, definitely not. Especially if you get turned down twice. Like, what's 10 years difference? Like, she's yeah. gonna just, like, magically... You should just... She should rot. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I saw this article that, like, I guess COVID had, like, gone through the jail that she was in and i don't know why people wanted to ask her opinion on it but <laughs> like, yeah she talked yeah, about how it was like around. that was the first she thing talked, like, how of. it was like the plague and how she like narrowly survived like it was like dramatic oh. like she's been telling her so story she made it about her yeah, and I, she mentioned saying. something of, like, she knew her kids were somewhere in Oregon, and she knew that that area wasn't, like, a hot spot, but she's still, like, worried about them, and, like, like come on, like, no, you don't worry about them. Anyway. Oh. I thought it was that's... awful as I watched her appeal, I mean, what is that, when... Like, when she goes for her parole. Yes, and she was... It's just so easy for her to just talk bullshit. Like, she's completely lying, mm -hmm. but she acts like it's true. 
when it's like you just changed your story five times in this interview even but she acts like it's just so like true she's, like she doesn't even realize that she's bold-faced lying yeah no like, it's so weird it's so weird convinced herself for this long that she's actually telling the truth i don't know it's just odd it does kind of seem like that or like and she's just like so depraved that she like actually thinks people are like believing her crazy stories and well that's the thing with people like this is they really do think that they're fooling everyone Mm -hmm. when they're not fooling anyone yeah it's like it's crazy to listen to her talk because you're like what Right. happening <laughs> are you high for real <laughs> all right well that's the truly horrible story of an evil mother who did not deserve to have children yet she kept getting pregnant over and over and over again that's awful i mean i have always thought because i'm a jerk i have always thought that i'm a pretty good mom but now i feel like where is my trophy you are right. a top-notch mother. Top-notch. Top-fucking um, shelf. <laughs> there was another <laughs> thing that I found really funny when I had heard that she did surrogacy. Um, was that she tried to have another surrogate baby. Did you see that? And why she got denied? I didn't see that. So she had that first baby. And then she got she was wanting to do it again for a different couple or whatever. Well, they test you for... Lots of things, not only your mental state or whatever, but health wise. And mm-hmm. she got denied because she had an STD. So, yes, I was hoping that's what you were going to say. That... I was like, please say yep. STD. It was not surprising. 100% an STD. <laughs> that's what happens, boys and girls, when you're a complete sleut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're not slut shaming, but we're like, not honestly, anyone, but, but there is a point that come fine on. lines. Plus, no glove, no love. Thank you. Well, yeah, and especially uh, she apparently was just trying to go out and get pregnant, so she wasn't. <laughs> yeah, she was. She was no glove. <laughs> yeah, all sure. love, <laughs> all love. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, moral of the story is: um, don't kill your kids. Good moral. Yeah. Good moral. I would like to reiterate that I do love my children, even <laughs> when I say I will beat them yeah. several times in the day. Even... I don't actually beat them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We are back with Slaying It. And this is probably going to be my favorite Slaying It of all time because I convinced my handsome husband lair bear to do our slaying it story tonight so we're gonna let him do his thing hopefully he can read his handwriting because i sure can't all right welcome back to sister sleuths i'm a dude <laughs> dr larry in the dr house. larry um i decided to look up indiana Serial killers. Of course we he did. Live in Indiana. Of course he <laughs> did. <laughs> Love yeah. that for you. Illinois, really, but um, so I picked a dude named William Clyde Gibson, and his method of murder was 
stabbing and strangling. He would like lure them and trap them and then murder them. Um, so he was convicted of three murders of women in southern Indiana between 2002 and 2012. Um, he was convicted in April of 2012. He murdered a 75 year old woman who was a family friend. Um, rude, that's just rude. 75, like, let her live her life. So, the lady right? was actually. The lady was actually friends with his mom, and he later said that he didn't plan on murdering her. He just wanted to have sex with her. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, that's not better. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. No. He's like, it's fine, guys. <laughs> I was just trying to get some. <laughs> yeah. Ew. So, um... He pleaded guilty to killing 35-year-old Stephanie Kirk in March of 2012, along with Karen Hoddle. Um, so he had uh, he was sentenced with two death penalty sentences and 65 years in prison. He appealed the two death sentences. Which he asked for the cases to be re-examined in Floyd County, thinking he had a better shot at getting off. But those requests were denied. Uh, he was in an accident in 1991 where um, he had gone to, to court and stuff over the accident, like trying to get his claim and whatnot, and... His attorneys at the time didn't request for MRI or anything like that. And so his lawyer that he got for um, his trial dates was bringing up the accident in 1991 saying that he was uh, basically mentally, mentally ill because of his accident. And trying to get him off on the lesser charge of mental insanity or whatever. So stupid. <laughs> yeah, so she was saying that um, his lawyers were like totally negligent against uh, against his case, basically saying that that would have been uh, would have been like a crucial piece of evidence that he was mental and that caused him to murder these women if you get in a car accident and then you were like yeah. you become a murderer yeah you get it happens to so many people brain damage what's crazy though is that there are tons and tons of cases of murderers who in their past have had concussions and they think there might actually be some correlation, like it's a it's a bit of brain damage that affects like their um, impulse control. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make them crazy. They're still assholes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his attorneys claim that his reason for killing Stephanie Kirk and Christine Wittes was. Um, 
due to the death of his mother who who died several months like before he went on his killing spree like he was just sad that his mom died or yeah, what that, that's what his attorneys claimed was <laughs> his mom died so he was sad and hold on took took it out on other women so he's like so he probably had mommy issues Oh, I have questions, so and you <laughs> might have needed to have the whole episode only because you're telling me that he he was sad because his mother died, and then he killed her friend because he's like, I don't want to <laughs> have sex with her, and these other women and stuff. Like, what was his relationship with his mom like? I'm gonna go on a limb and say not great, not and appropriate. I have questions. Yikes. Yeah. It's pretty pretty crazy. So the the state representative uh, his name was Tyler Banks. He set the standard for worst of the worst. Any reasonable judge would present him with the death like and this guy's currently serving two death penalties. And 65 years for killing these women. Wow. He's a pretty sick, dude. It is. Yeah. That is like crazy. A 75 year old woman. Really? But why would he just want to have sex with her? Oh, I can't get over that. So, why? <laughs> that, like, is from our new neighborhood. Like, what the heck? Oh, he's not from our neighborhood. He's. Southern Indiana yeah. is what you're saying. I've never even heard of New Albany, and we've been out. Exploring all of southern Indiana. <laughs> That's true. And you never came across William Clyde Gibson. So, yeah. <laughs> no. oh, yeah. did you that see guy, him do anything? You're safe. <laughs> you're safe. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. You did a great Bye. job. Bye. 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 <laughs> well, listen, kids. If anyone tries to kidnap you or sex traffic you or murder you, just stab him in the dick. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Sister Sisters Blues. Blues.